I'm Congressman Bruce Westerman, and this is Conservation. Join me as we get back to our roots, being good stewards of what we have for a brighter tomorrow. I have with me today, Michelle Hart. It's so great to have you here, Michelle, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, joining me for a little conversation. Tell me a little bit about Michelle Hart. <laughs> uh, well, I live in Cody, Wyoming. Um, I work in the oil and gas industry. I have for almost 15 years. Uh, have moved all across the country with my job, ended up in Wyoming. Um, and in Cody, I met my husband, Tim, uh, who worked for the Forest Service and as a smoke jumper. He was a, a smoke jumper for about six years and uh, unfortunately suffered a, uh, a serious injury in a, a parachuting jump in, in New Mexico and subsequently passed away on June 2nd of this year. And um, yeah, the last few months have been pretty hard, but I've been very fortunate to have a, a really good support system back home and um, really happy to be here in DC and, and working with yourself and others on some really meaningful reforms that uh, that we get a chance to talk about. Yeah. What, what got Tim interested in being a, a smoke jumper? I mean, there's being a firefighter and then there's being the guys that, that jump out of the airplanes and go yeah. into the worst parts of the fires. What what motivated him to do that? He must have been a bit adventurous. He was adventurous. Um, my husband never did anything halfway. He would go big or go home for every hobby that he's ever had. Um, to him, a smoke jumper was the baby seals of firefighting, and they are. Uh, it's the hardest program to get into, it's the most elite version of our wildlife firefighters, and it was his lifelong dream to become a smoke jumper. And that was the year we met, actually, was his rookie, his rookie year. So I was trying to figure out what a smoke jumper was, he told me, and I didn't believe him that that was a real thing. So I went home at night after our first date and was Googling what a smoke jumper was and realized that he, it was a real thing. Uh, but it's interesting how he got into fire, actually. He has a, a, a master's degree in forestry. Mm -hmm. um, and so he just has always loved the outdoors. He's loved forests, forest management. Uh, it's a big passion of his. and. Um, and that led him into a career in fire, actually, because he wanted to have a, an active role in helping save our, our forests and wild places. Yeah. And I know it wasn't long after his death, you came here to Washington, where I met you for the first time. And I was just heartbreaking to hear the story, and hear his story and the stories of the other uh, wildland firefighters who have, have lost their lives uh, doing a job that's a very high-risk job. Did, did he ever talk much about what it was like on the ground fighting these fires? He, he did some. Um, I think a lot of <clears throat> the the work that they do gets pretty monotonous. Um, you know, spending day in day out and cutting line and, and honestly, yeah, I don't I don't know all of the fire jargon, but um, I know that I remember the moments of conversation where I could tell there was a close call, um, a tree falling close by, or a line that you know, didn't hold and they got, you know, were getting trapped with fire. Um, really, really scary jumps for him where he crashed really hard. He had a UTV rollover a couple of years ago as well um, at 45 miles an hour down the mountainside. So those are the, those are the stories that really stuck with me because of course I worry. I don't hear from him for two weeks at a time and I don't know if the next call is going to be from him or from his base manager. Um, so, so yeah, there is, it's, it's really powerful listening to 
some of the things he had to say about how hard the conditions are, or eating the same like types of MREs for days on end, and you know things like that, or just it rains, or there's a plague of locusts, or something, and he's telling me how they're crawling into his sleeping bag. I mean, it's they're really they're really nasty conditions that they'll have to deal with. And you think you know being on a fire is going to be really hot all the time, so you have extreme heat. But what they don't talk about at night is how cold it can get, especially right. at, at higher elevations. And so, you know, talking about not bringing enough um, warm clothes or warm sleeping bags, things like that, or it being wet. And, you know, it's, it's hard listening to those stories because there's nothing I can do to help him. Um, but, but yes, certainly lots of stories on the fire line, lots of close calls. And you said he had a master's degree in forestry. I'm also I'm a forester. I know that. So did he did he ever talk much about the conditions of the forest and what was causing the fires, or was his focus just mainly on there's a fire, I've got to get there and put it out? You know, not on specific fires, but I think in general he was he was uh, he was very politically um, interested, and I know land management, forest management was high on his list of priorities. He was hoping eventually that he'd be able to transition into some sort of role where he'd be able to help with uh, looking at landscape scale management and forest management. Um, and so he did talk about that in broad strokes about our need for further investment in our, our forests and um, and ensuring fuels reductions in the right places to prevent those catastrophic fires. Uh, but mostly, I mean, of course, his day-in, day-out job was fire strategy, fire behavior, ensuring that the people he was working with were safe. Um, and so that occupied most of his day-to-day mind, I imagine. Yeah. And you, know, you did get that, that call that wasn't from him. And my understanding was you were able to at least be at the hospital with him in his, his final hours. Um, it just, it's, it's hard to imagine what that must have been like for you. But um, you you talk about being politically active. You're kind of politically active now. Had you been politically active before? Uh, for my job, I, I am. Um, I work so for the oil and gas company I work for. I'm a, a lobbyist for them in the state of Wyoming, and I, I've always enjoyed politics. I, I really believe in the democratic process, and I believe in every everybody has a voice, and those voices should be heard through our elected representatives. Um, and Tim was very much the same way. It's probably one of the reasons we got along so well. Mm-hmm. Now you have a, a new cause that you're working on. Um, fair pay for wildland firefighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, until I met you and heard your story, I didn't know that, um, you know that they were doing the job they were doing for so little pay. And it's not a full-time job, at least not yet. Um, so they were, it was seasonal work and they were trying to you know, work a lot of overtime. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, what you're working for, why you're here in Washington, uh, why you're sitting down meeting with a congressman uh, talking about wildfires. Well, <clears throat> I really appreciate that because there are a lot of reforms that our wildland firefighters need. Um, I have lived it with my husband for six years, and I have a lot of friends that are wildland firefighters who left the, the service um, because of financial mental, physical tolls on them. And that's that's what we're, really what we're talking about is equitable pay for the work that they do and the hazards that they, and the risks they take every day and giving their lives for, for their country. Um, you know, a lot of their cooperators that they work with at the state regional level are making quite a bit more than they are for the same job. And in some cases, 
federal firefighters are training municipal departments and volunteer organizations and other, they're training people who at times are making more money than they are. And that it just, it's not, it's not right. Um, also, when you look at just the living situations of some of these folks, my husband lived in his truck for three years to be a smoke jumper uh, because there wasn't any housing available in a rural area. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's just shameful. It's shameful on the part of the government that they allow their employees to live in conditions like that and to not make a livable wage, um, especially because of the type of work. They're asking a lot on the spouses and families um, that have to take care of everything while their spouse is off working and risking their life. And so there's a lot of, uh, of single income families as well. They're depending on that paycheck from the firefighter who's out on the line. And then, of course, it creates this perverse incentive to work as many hours of overtime as possible. So you're hearing folks, especially this year, that are clocking in 1,000 to 1,300 hours of overtime in a few months. The physical exhaustion and mental exhaustion of going through that and watching colleagues be seriously injured or killed and then having to turn around and go right back out on the line, that happened in El Paso. You know, I was so fortunate that his fire family came down and was there with me. But as soon as we as soon as we got back, they had to they had to go. They had they didn't have time to take a break. They didn't have time to seek therapy. They had to turn around and go right back out to work to try to get as many hours of overtime as possible. Because when they're laid off at the end of the year, they have to pay their mortgage and they have to feed their children. And you know it's a it's an unwinnable situation for them. Um, so I am here fighting on their behalf because I'm never going to, of course, I'm not going to see a benefit from this, but I just hope, I really hope that the families that I personally know and the families that I don't will see, will see a light at the end of the tunnel through this legislation. And I know that they do. I've, I've heard so much from families that are really excited about this and, you know, I just, it, it means so much to them. It's the right thing to do. And honestly, the only way to stop the exodus of the wildland firefighting workforce is through major reform, not a small step forward, but a major step forward. Right. I've never had an opportunity to meet your husband, unfortunately. Sounds like a, a great guy, an American hero. And I'm sure he would be proud of what you're doing, that uh, you're, you're trying to make life better for others. And, uh, taking your experience and trying to turn it into something positive. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that, as I'm sure many other people uh, are. And, you know, you, you were at a hearing we had where we talked about, um, you know, the need to fairly compensate our uh, federal fire employees, uh, over 15,000 of them. That's, yeah. a, that's a, a large number of folks. And if these fires continue, it's just going to be more and more people uh, with longer and longer fire seasons. So, and something we want to work on is how do we prevent these fires from happening in the first place and not create these dangerous situations that wildlife firefighters have to go into and certainly make sure they're fairly compensated when they have to go into those situations. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Um, I believe the bill is going to be called the Tim Hart Bill. It is, yeah. yeah. It's a short, the short term version is Tim's Act, I, I believe. And it is. It's such an honor um, to have that named after him, and I, I really do believe this is a bipartisan issue. I think everybody wants the same thing. We need to invest in our our wildlands. We need to manage our forests, and we need to ensure that the people who are putting their lives on the line are protected and compensated for their risk. 
and I think it's a comprehensive look at, at everything for the future in order to prevent these qualifiers. I agree. Um, Michelle Hart, thank you for joining me today. Uh, thank you for telling your story and uh, for showing that same courage and determination that, that your husband had, and you're making a difference. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah. I appreciate that.